Father, we ask in Jesus' name that, Lord, you would speak to each of our hearts and empower us and enable us to be better witnesses for you than we ever have because we've been here today and tuned in today. In Jesus' name, amen. So there is this guy, and he's married, and his wife has twins. And they decide that they don't think they're able to really uh, keep up with these twins financially, so they decide to give them up for adoption. And so they give them up for adoption. One of them goes to a family in Egypt, and they name him Amal. The other twin goes to a family in Spain, and they name him Juan. Well, after a while, several years, they start to regret that they gave their children up, their twins, for adoption. And they just think, I'd sure like to know what they look like now. So eventually they, get, they got hold of Juan in Spain, and he sent them a photograph, a picture. And the mother was so happy to see uh, a picture of Juan. And she said to her husband, we have a picture of Juan, but I also want a picture of them all. And her husband said, they're twins. If you've seen Juan, <laughs> you've seen them all. Well, unfortunately, that's how a lot of non-believers view religion. To them, religions are all basically the same. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. But the truth is, Christianity really is not about religion. The truth is Christianity is all about a relationship, not a religion, a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And those who come to know God, those who come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, are so impacted that they want others to come to know him as well. And the best way that we can do that, a way that all of us can do that, is simply by telling other people our story, telling other people our personal testimony, telling others what Christ has done for us. There's so much power in telling someone your personal testimony. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he left these words ringing in the ears of his followers. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here's some of the last words he spoke before he ascends into heaven. Acts 1.8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and listen to this, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part, parts of the earth. So what did that look like for the average Christian? See, I think a lot of times we think about, if I'm going to be a witness for Christ, I need to be able to stand up in front of a crowd and preach a, a sermon, a gospel message. And really, for the average believer, that has never been the case. Now, we do see the apostles, and there are people throughout history that, that God has called to do that. But what does it look like for the average Christian? Well, let's just look what Peter and John say in Acts chapter 4, verse 20. Peter and John say this, For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. In other words, they couldn't stop talking about what they had experienced, what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced. And I believe that the average believer can most effectively be a witness by simply telling your story, your story of how you came to know Christ, what Christ has done for you. Just tell your story. 
We've been doing this series entitled Be a Blessing, and we're taking the word bless, and each letter in the word bless has an ingredient in how we can be a blessing to our neighbors, classmates, co-workers, you know, those that we recreate with and so forth, those who don't know God. How can we bless them? Well, this word here helps us kind of un- unwrap that. B stands for begin with prayer, begin by praying for them. L stands for listen to them. Don't just launch into, you know, speaking and, you know, some message. Listen to them, get to know them, understand where they're at. E stands for eat with them. It's amazing how when you eat with somebody, it's a time of storytelling. And then the first S stands for serve them. How much love is communicated through just serving somebody. And the final S stands for story. Tell your story. See, so many don't engage in spiritual conversations with others because they're afraid. What are they afraid of? They're afraid that they may not have an answer to a question. They, may, they feel they're afraid that they may get into a discussion that they don't feel adequately trained or equipped for. But here is the truth, is that you don't need to be afraid of that. Let me tell you why. I want us to look at an example in John chapter 9, the Gospel of John chapter 9, because it's a perfect example of what our approach needs to be like. It's captured in John 9, and it's something everyone can do. John chapter 9, we read, we read about a remarkable story of a man who is born blind, and then he is healed by Jesus. It is a miracle, and it's one of those kind of miracles that you can't keep a secret. Word gets out. It's all out there what happened to this man who was born blind, and now he can see and that Jesus healed him. But when this word gets to the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the power players, so to speak, of the day, they already feel threatened by the ministry of Jesus and a following he has. So when they hear the news that this man has been healed by Jesus, they immediately reject that news. And so we read in John chapter 9, that they don't believe that he'd actually even been born blind. So what do they do? They call his parents in to talk to them. And and they ask him this question in John chapter 9, verse 19. Is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? Well, his parents answer their question, starting in verse 20 of John 9. We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess him, Jesus, to be Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So now we have intimidation at play here. So his parents are intimidated by this. So they say, ask him. He's of age. So a second time they called the man who'd been born blind, John 9, 24, and said to him, give glory to God. We know this man, referring to Jesus, this man's a sinner. So the healed man answers, John 9, 25, one of the most famous 
phrases around the world. He says, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Was blind, but now I see. Famous line worked in the song we sang part of it today, Amazing Grace. I was blind, but now I see. John chapter 9 is a key chapter for understanding how we as Christians who've been changed by the grace of God, we can testify of Christ even in front of the most powerful and educated people in the world. We can tell our story. That's what this blind man does. We see here this full, I mean, he's got the full-blown courage of this beggar. He's a mere beggar, uneducated, standing before the most educated people in that region. And he courageously says this statement, I was blind, but now I can see. That's what I know. And they threaten him with being kicked out of the synagogue. Now, understand this. If you get kicked out of the synagogue, you get kicked out of Judaism. You get kicked out of community. That was the threat. That what was standing against this man, holding to his testimony about Jesus. Verse 25, this, most, this famous sentence, people know it all over the world. He simply says, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. I just want you to feel the power of this moment. I think John Piper says it well. He says, a personal testimony trumps arguments when they're bad arguments, and all arguments are bad arguments if they're arguments against Jesus. So don't be intimidated about, say, telling your story, what Jesus did for you in front of anybody, because it's your story. You don't have to have a, you know, training in apologetics. You don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to have answers to all their questions. You have a story. You can tell your story. I hope you'll be willing to do that when the time comes, when you get the opportunity. You won't be intimidated. This man wasn't intimidated in front of the most learned people of the day. So then his courage, though, his courage then turns to scorn toward these Pharisees. Verse 27, he says, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? You want to say at that point, whoa, man, slow down. (laughs) These guys could kill you. They are very hostile. Here's what they say back to him, verse 28, 29. They reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but for this man, talking about Jesus, we do not know where he comes from. Well, the truth is, they were not disciples of Moses. They think they are, but they weren't. In fact, Jesus says this earlier in the Gospel of John, John 546, he said to them, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. What Jesus is simply saying is you don't know Moses and you don't know God. You know, you, you, you read about Moses, you think you know, and you read God's word and you think you know God. But if you knew Moses, if you knew God, then you would know me. 
because he spoke of me. See, they read, you know, they, they read the first five books of the Bible, these Pharisees, and some of them had those first five books memorized, and they didn't see what it was all about. It was all pointing to Jesus. So now we see in the story who's really blind. We're watching a man who his sight's becoming clearer and clearer and clearer, not just physically, but spiritually through this whole conversation. And we're seeing the Pharisees and their blindness is becoming blinder and blinder and blinder. Well, Jesus has a conversation with this beggar in verses 35 through 38 after he's been cast out of community. In fact, verse 34 tells us that's what happened to him. Verse 34, Pharisee said to him, you were born in utter sin. In other words, that's why you're blind. You were born in sin. And you would teach us? And they cast him out. So now this is really serious. He's been cast out of community. So who's he going to turn to now? This, this man who was blind but now sees? Well, the truth is he doesn't have to turn to anyone because Jesus turns to him. Jesus goes and finds him. Jesus seeks him out and finds him and gathers him in. This is really beautiful because that's John chapter 9. John chapter 10, it's interesting, talks about the good shepherd who gathers his sheep. And that's exactly what Jesus says in John 9. He goes and finds this one who was blind but now sees, and he gathers him in. By the way, if uh, sharing your story, personal testimony, causes you to lose some aspect of community, some friendships, some relationships, don't worry about it. Jesus will come and gather you and bring you into a better community, better friends. When I started following Christ in college, there was a certain group of friends I lost. Because I talked to everyone I knew about Jesus, and they didn't want they didn't want anything to do with it. But I, but Jesus, He gathered me, and I became part of another community of much better friends. So Jesus heard He's been cast out. Let's pick it up, John nine thirty five to thirty eight. Jesus heard that they had cast Him out, and having found Him, see, just see this. Jesus goes looking for Him. This is beautiful. Having found Him, He said. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him. This is beautiful the way he says that. You've seen him. Remember, he was blind, but now he sees, and the first person he saw was Jesus. You have seen him, and it is he who's speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And then the beggar's gone. We don't, ever, we don't hear anything more about the beggar. That's the end of the story. The last thing he does is worship Jesus. I hope that's the last thing I do. So the beggar was blind. It's interesting. In the story, he starts calling, in the story, he calls Jesus a man. And then later, he calls him a prophet. And then he defends him at the risk of his life. And then he ends up by worshiping him as his Lord. I hope you confess Jesus openly. I hope you aren't afraid to do that. Just tell your story. Your story is your story. I hope you'll tell your story. Again, you don't have to 
have a lot of training to do this. You just have a story to tell. This man had zero training. Zero. Just your story is I saw. There was a time that I just saw. There was a time that I didn't see it, and now I do. There was a time I was, I was reading the Gospels, or I heard someone share their story, and all of a sudden Jesus became irresistible to me. Something happened, and my eyes were open. I saw. That's your story. Something happened. There came a time where you just saw. And Jesus is just irresistible. I was blind, but now I see. Sometimes we get bogged down with all kinds of theological debate and stuff. And just tell your story. If they have questions, there are people who are called to that sort of thing, apologetics and theological answers. You can't answer them. I'll help you. I'll talk to them. I love it. But for the most part, most of us aren't called to that. But we're all called to tell our story. Just tell your story. When you do that, you plant a seed. Remember what Jesus said about those seeds that we plant? Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 28. Jesus was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. So what does Jesus say grows? The seed grows, the seed that you planted. When you told your story to somebody, you planted a seed. What did Jesus say happens to it? It grows even while you're sleeping. It grows even while you're off doing something else. You forgot about it. You planted a seed and it grows. Maybe you talk to him again and maybe you watered the seed when you talk to him again. But God is doing something. God is bringing about growth in his time. He will harvest. There is a, there's so much power in your testimony. You're planting seeds that will grow. So how do you do that? How do you tell your story? Well, in, in the book of Acts, it's interesting. The apostle Paul tells his story three times in the book of Acts. Three different times he tells his testimony. And I want to pick it up in Acts chapter 26 because it's a great template for how we should tell our story. His, the way he tells his story divides into four parts, real simple. Part number one, his life before Jesus Christ. Part number two, coming to know Jesus Christ. What happened? How did it happen? Part three, his life in Christ. Or after he came to know Christ, what was his life like following Christ? And part four, inviting someone else to know Christ. That's what he does in Acts 26. So let's just look at that real quick. Apostle Paul, Acts, Act 1. My life before I know, knew Christ, Paul tells us, Acts chapter 26, verse 4. So then all Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem. Since they had known about me for a long time, if they are willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. So Paul's saying, this is my life before Christ. I was a Pharisee. Then he goes on to say, I wasn't just a Pharisee, I was a persecutor of Christians. Pick it up in verse 10. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priest, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them, often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. 
So that's Paul's life before coming to know Christ. He's telling his testimony before King Agrippa. He says, I was a Pharisee and I was a persecutor of Christians. So when you think about your story, think, what was my life like before Christ? Think about that. I'd encourage you to write down your thoughts so you can clarify your thoughts. What was I like before Christ emotionally, spiritually, socially? Think about that. And by the way, avoid at this point giving too much detail. They don't need to hear all the gory detail, you know, about it. So I think some people kind of glory in the gory a little bit when they tell their story. You don't need to do that. All right, so act one, what is your life like before Christ? Paul tells. All right, act two, how I came to know Jesus Christ. Paul tells that part, Acts 26, verse 12 through 18. Let's just read it. His is very dramatic, his conversion. He says, while so engaged, as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, he's going to find some Christians to arrest. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when, all, and when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which will appear to you. I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people, from the Gentiles, and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So this is Paul's experience of how he came to know Christ as his Savior and Lord. It's very dramatic. And it's, it's probably not any of us in this room had such a dramatic conversion as Paul had, but we all had a moment. How did that happen? How did you come to know Christ? And you don't need to over-dramatize it. Just talk about that moment, how you finally understood what Jesus had done for you and how he was irresistible to you. How did that happen to you? So that's part two. Part one, his life before Christ. Part two, how he came to know Christ. Now Paul's going to talk about what his life was like after that moment of conversion. Acts chapter 26, verse 19. He goes on. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So now Paul says that after his encounter with Christ, after becoming a follower of Jesus, he now has a mission, a purpose, a ministry, and he talks about his life after so that would be the third part of your testimony. What is your life after coming to know Christ? How is it different? How is your life more purposeful, more meaningful? How is it freer, fuller, more joyful? We begin to talk about this is what my life has been like after coming to know Christ. And, and spend some time clarifying that because they need to understand that part. So that's it. That's, and by the way, don't use any super churchy religious language that they would have to, you know, know a lot about the Bible to understand. I mean, you don't say, and then I was washed in the blood of the Lamb, brother. 
I mean, don't use some metaphor that takes too much time to explain. Just use simple language to tell your story. So start off my life before Christ, then how I came to know Christ, and then what my life was like after coming to know Christ, living as a Christian, following Jesus. Fourth part. Fourth part, inviting others to know Christ. Now, we know that Paul did that because Agrippa responds this way. Acts 26, verse 28, Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time, you'll persuade me to become a Christian? So you know Paul was, was wanting him to come to that place. He wasn't ready at that point, but seeds were planted in Agrippa's life. I would recommend after you tell your story, it's simply say this, what God has done for me, he can do for you also. That's simple. And then let God handle it. You plant the seed. Let God do the heavy lifting. He's the only one that can convert anyone. Tell your story. Some of you are trained very well to share the gospel, to answer questions, and that's great. Some of you are called to that, but all of us can tell our story. Let me give you some practical advice about that real quick. I urge everyone of you, I think every Christian on planet Earth should do this if they haven't. And that is take out a pad of paper or get on your you know, device, whatever, and write out or type out your story. It'll help you clarify it. And then be able to say it in five minutes. You know, it's better to leave people thinking, I wish you'd keep talking, as opposed to, I wish you would stop talking. <laughs> you know, so try to tell your story in about five minutes. And, uh, and get to where you can just tell it very naturally. It's your story. You know, tell it naturally and leave the results to God. Isn't that beautiful? Leave the results to God. And you plant the seed, and while you're off sleeping, God is causing that seed to grow. So tell your story. I encourage you. I urge you to. In fact, I want to close the service by letting you uh, see some here. See some stories because they're going to be. You can see them on the video of some people from our Grace family uh, over the years. With that basically, it's called a cardboard testimony. You're going to see. It, they're going to hold a cardboard piece of cardboard. And it's going to say their life before Christ, and they're going to flip it. And so you're going to see their life after coming to know Christ. So watch this cardboard testimony.
Let's all stand. The way we're going to close our services, there are some of you in this room that you feel like, in all honesty, you just feel like, I've got only one side of my cardboard testimony filled out. I'm still waiting for the other side. I'm still waiting to write you know, some type of salvation or freedom or deliverance or whatever. You're still waiting for the other side of your cardboard testimony. I believe that the Spirit of God is going to give that to some of you today. So during ministry time, those of you who feel like you've only got one half done, I'm waiting for the other half. During this closing song, come on down. We're going to pray for you. We believe in miracles here, and God's going to do some miracles. So during this final song, that's you in all honesty. And I, I just pray that this can just be a safe place. We can be honest. We're family here. If you're saying, I'm waiting for the other side of my card, come on down. Let us pray for you. God's going to do some miracles here. Father, you know exactly who it is that you really want to touch today. I pray, Lord, that you just give a sense of safety and freedom, that we could all be real, and that you would release the power of your spirit. And, Lord, to write the other side of that cardboard testimony in, in people's lives today, that I need for you to do that in Jesus' name. So as we sing this song, if that's you, just slip out and come on up. We're going to pray for you in just a moment. Loves like a hurricane, I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. And all of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how your affections out for me and oh how he loves us so oh how he loves us how 
Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. And we can say, Lord, that in some, so many ways I was blind and in so many ways I now see. Lord, we pray for those, Lord, who are saying, I'm waiting for the rest of the cardboard to be filled out. Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit right now. In Jesus' name, let your kingdom come. Let your healing, your deliverance, your salvation, whatever it is, Lord, release it now. Release it now. A new identity, Lord, the fullness of it. Come, Holy Spirit, and pray for all of us, Lord, that we would live out this new life this week and that we would take advantage of those opportunities we can tell our story and we would be unashamed and we'd be unintimidated and we'd both tell our story and we'd plant seeds and then you would cause the growth. So, Lord, we pray that you would really use us this week, wherever we are, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Now, before you're dismissed, I want to say if you're new here, I'd love to meet you over here in the welcome corner. If you have any questions for our staff, we have connection corner. If you have any other prayer requests, we have some leaders up here to pray for you. God bless you. You're dismissed. And give them a hug down here before they go, okay? God bless you. Have a great day, great week.